Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. As I said earlier, it's always so good to be at St. Michael's. And it's actually good to you know, get back in the pulpit and have to think about the scripture seriously all week, not just sort of cruise along. And I will say, I was um, saying to myself, and maybe I shouldn't say this, but I thought, Ho Pong, the Our Father. What in the world can I say about the Our Father after all these years? It's a tricky thing. So, happily, I did persist and try to have a thought or two, prayed a lot, read some commentaries, so here we go. Don't you just love the persistence of Abraham? Let's start with Abraham. What a wonderful story of shamelessly arguing with God. If there are just him, do you think he could back off? Don't burn that city. And of course, this is mirrored in the second half of our gospel narrative by the persistent and actually Someone annoying friend who comes in the middle of the night. But first, I do want to consider with you the ask of the disciples. And Jesus responds. The disciples ask quite simply, Lord, teach us to pray. Then we know that from the text. We say it all the time, right? Every time we come for Eucharist, possibly during our daily prayers, if you say the office, it's always there. The Our Father is with us. And that's why I think I had a spiritual ho-hum moment and uh, had to snap myself out of it. So hopefully we can all get snapped out of it. So Jesus begins, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. The first thing is to praise God. Praise God. And as I thought about this prayer, that Jesus is offering us and has been part of us, so much part of us. I thought, you know, it's really a deeply grounded prayer. It connects earth and heaven in a very real way. Because the very next thing after the hallowing and the praising of the very name of God, the name that is so holy, that in many traditions it is not to be spoken. Jesus then prays for the coming of the kingdom. So how is the kingdom understood? Is it a utopian space of peace, justice, and human flourishing? Can this kind of space be made manifest in this world? Doesn't this name our inner longing? Thy kingdom come, God's kingdom of peace and justice and human flourishing. This is the hope we have 
excuse me, for the new creation mentioned in our scriptures. What helps us to make sense of the senseless in our world is this hope that we have. The senselessness of injustice, of wars and violence, and the seeming constant effort to diminish, diminish our humanity. We know and we pray with Jesus for another way. We praise God and we ask God to help us be part of the inbreaking of that kingdom of justice and peace and human flourishing. And then, in the next petition, we ask, give us today our bread, the daily bread. This is so grounded in the here and the now of our lives. The petition affirms the need for food, a basic human need. And the food just sufficient for the day. Within this petition, there is a challenge to the hoarding practices and to the imbalance in food distribution. We are in the midst of a war right now, where wheat has become a pivotal issue. On my way here this morning, I was listening to the uh, news of the bombing of the port in Odessa after the agreement that grain could begin to flow to countries that are desperate for their daily bread. This is a prayer of the here and the now. Food was no less an issue in ancient Rome than it is with us today. And we all remember that Palestine is a Roman colony, an oppressed people. And so the global economic system that we are a part of was also part of that world where Jesus taught his disciples to pray for their daily bread. Not to hoard, not to deny, but to have their daily bread. We know that vast quantities of food go to waste, while many suffer malnourishment and starvation. That's why this church and so many others support our local food pantries. You're answering, you're part of the inbreaking of the kingdom, the answering of the prayer, the daily bread for your neighbors, helping one another to have our daily bread. Jesus then makes the connection between our asking God's forgiveness of sins with the human practice of forgiving debtors. Remember the parable of the one who was forgiven and then didn't forgive? It happens to this prayer. We're reminded that we are to forgive as we are forgiven. Jesus is clear. God forgives. And we are to be generous and loving, just as God is generous and loving with our forgiveness, the forgiveness of debts, whether that debt is an emotional debt 
or an actual doubt, grounded in the here and the now. It is clear that peace, justice, and human flourishing are central concerns to be voiced to the heavens, not to be ignored, to be persistent. And this is our prayer given by Jesus, deeply rooted in our life, in our here and now. I never tire of remembering, so maybe I've said this before. I have to watch myself these days. I get repetitive. <laughs> but a long time ago, in ancient history, when I was rector of the Church of St. Clement, there was a lovely dear woman named Gladys, and she had terrible dementia and was in the Woodbine nursing home. And I would try to see her very regularly. And she truly was in the depths of dementia. She was in her wheelchair, and you know how you put a board up in front so that there's some place for the person to rest their hands and not fall out of the wheelchair. So there's Gladys, always in her wheelchair with the board in front of her. And during my visits, we would pray. And when I would say, Gladys, shall we pray? She would begin to tap on the board in front of her. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And it was the most amazing experience. This prayer was so deep in this person. And her life had been actually as obviously a tempest. She worked in the Pentagon all around, deeply rooted in our community. And this was, this is her prayer. And we could always count on that. And I found that so moving and so inspiring that at this time in her life, this is what would come forth. It also happens in the, the, the scope of my ministry. You know, I was right there at the church with a big old cemetery. As I often can fond of saying, St. Paul's Rock Creek, I had 44,000 of the very quietest parishioners. <laughs> <laughs> but I did have to think about assisting at the graveside if the family wanted someone to come and offer a prayer, or if the person was being ahead of them. So that was part of the ministry there. And I would look at this group of people who I had no idea, but I could tell they were very uncomfortable with anything to do with church. So in those situations, you don't read the parable prophets because that would really send them right. But uh, I would say, let's say some things that we all know or we may know and just follow along or say it in your own language or whatever. And always, the group could get through the Our Father. It's a universal prayer. It's a grounded prayer. It's so much more than just our quick recitation on a Sunday morning. And it is also, I think, God rejoices that we are persistent in saying it. Because, of course, then the next part of our gospel is about the persistence of the one who was absolutely shameless, getting up in the middle of the night, going to bug his neighbor for food. Because in the least, 
If you didn't have food to offer his hospitality, you were failing. And rather than fail, this man would obey. But of course, about children. To lighten, God listens to us, you know, as we listen to our children. It's a ground of prayer, a prayer to be said, to be persistent. And to know how deep it is that it will well up when we most need it. Oh my gladness, we are most alone. So I commence this prayer to you again. Perhaps you will, through the week, think about how it is that this prayer grounds you. How it is that Jesus has taught us to pray. Amen.